0: on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger.
1: So Clark was pretty much uh, like Aerosmith up here, wasn't he? I mean... (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Like, there was smoke. If you looked close, there was smoke coming off of the fretboard. It was like Pink Floyd in church. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, We need to get you cowboy boots to do that next time. All right. Hey, my goal is to create the kind of church I would want to go to, and the church I would want to go to is the church where the pastor pokes fun at the staff a little bit. So (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, man. The Lord's good. Isn't he good? You know, um, I've had people let me down. I've had leaders let me down. I've had uh, relationships let me down. The Lord has never let me down. And if you're looking for a solid foundation that you can trust and you can rely on, I'm telling you, Jesus will never fail you. People will fail you. I promise you. People are going to fail you. They're going to let you down. They're going to disappoint you. Jesus will never disappoint you. He'll never disappoint you. Um, you know, we've been doing this expansion here, and uh, Derek had mentioned that, and it's really cool. I don't, if you look close, you can see they've, they've textured this wall. So at this point, we're pretty much, we're very close to just needing paint and then move in. And, um, in fact, middle of next month, we should be meeting over there at some point. Um, it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, this back wall is gonna come down. Um, I don't know. Maybe Derek mentioned that. I wasn't paying attention. But if if he was, <laughs> if he was, if he did say it, if he didn't say it, either way, that back wall is coming down soon. So for all of my talkers, when you come into church, like in the middle of the like previous service, just service, just kind of keep it down a little bit because <laughs> we got some talkers. I'm, I'm, we're gonna make some placards, like just shh, with names on it, like Shh, Toby, like Shh, Terry, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> Um, Hey, so I've had people ask me, they're they're like, oh, you're in the middle of this building program you know are you super stressed out or whatever and I'm like no I'm not stressed out like not at all I'm, like, I'm so good like not not stressed out and and I I mean it like I really mean like I'm not stressed out like we did a lot if you if a big project like this you do all the work ahead of time and the project works the way it's supposed to work so like we did we went through the budgets we did all that stuff and so like we did really good all the all the planning really good so we're we're on schedule and we're under budget so like really like I'm, I'm good and, and I say that, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, I noticed, like, I like this weird discomfort right here. <laughs> I'm like, my head's good, but my body's got a different different thought on this thing. <laughs> and so I, I was like, made an appointment, and of course, you know, like an appointment with a doctor, you're, you're like nine months out before you can even see anybody. So, um, But what I did is, so I, I, I adjusted my diet and made sure I'm getting plenty of sleep and, and that kind of stuff. And then... Uh, we, Trying, trying to make sure I'm creating a little more margin in my in my in my life than I normally have, just to make sure that I'm good. And um, I had a pastor friend in Denver that was like, "Hey, while we're you know we've got this event we're doing for some pastors, it's called Encouragement, and I want you to come out to Denver, and uh, we just want to encourage you." And uh, so we went out there. Usually, in, in in my world, when you go somewhere as a pastor for something, it's very conferencey, very like best practices, nuts and bolts, like how to grow your church in 30 days, like garbage. And and this was great. It was just like just getting together with some other people that do the same thing as me, and just being able to be encouraged and refreshed. And um, man, it felt so good. It felt so good. I, I just feel like my cup is full today from it. Um, I know this, that in all of our lives, if we, if we continually go through the behaviors that are, that are required of our life without ever filling our cups, we will become depleted. Uh, if we continue to spend from our bank accounts at a higher rate than we put into our bank accounts we will become financially depleted. If, if we give, 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 give in our marriages and never receive, receive, receive in our marriages, our marriages become empty. Our lives, if we're not careful, become hollow and empty. Even if you're doing a good thing, you can become depleted. I was talking to a, a seasoned pastor... That's a nice way of saying an old pastor. Uh, and he said, he said, Roger, what are the spiritual habits that you put into your life? What are the things that you've put in your life that have got you to where you are spiritually? And so I started listing off things to him that, that are either part of my life, my life now or they are things that I've done seasonally throughout my life. And then he asked me this question. He said, he said Roger, what are you doing to teach your church to do that? And so that's what I want to do today. I, I want to talk about this, is, is if you want longevity in your life, you've got to learn how to refill your tank. You, you've, you've got to learn, when you're, when you're depleted, how to refill and refresh your tank. And So um, as we do this series, what do you've got to lose? It's really, it's really just a series about this idea of, of, of what would it look like to just go all in with Jesus? Like, if you were to go all in with Jesus, what would it look like? And today I want to talk about, like, what does it look like to refill your tank? Worst-case scenario, you end up closer to Jesus. Like, I don't know if I want to go all in. What if it doesn't work? Just, you're going to be closer to Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And so um, I, I'm going to read my text out of 2 Kings. In the Old Testament of the Bible, so the Bible is divided into two divisions, primary divisions, one would be Old Testament, one is New Testament. Um, old doesn't mean old as in um, not useful anymore, forget that, it's old. It means old in, in a sense of time. So it's, it's ancient, and it's before Jesus. When we say New Testament, we mean all the writings after Jesus. Um, and in the Old Testament, there are some books that we would categorize them as historical books. And... They, they tell the, the stories of the people of Israel and how God moved through them. And we can read them as types and shadows of, of how God works in our life. And in 2 Kings, which is one of those historical books, it tells this incredible story about how uh, the, the nations of Israel, Judah, and Edom are going to go to war. And you might have heard that and you're like, okay, so... Israel, Judah, same thing. They're, they're actually different. So Israel, the nation Israel, had a, essentially a civil war at one point in history, and they, they divided north and south. North and south, and, and one is Israel and one is Judah. So like the, the current modern-day nation of Israel, of Israel would really essentially be Judah is what it would be. It's not, it wouldn't be in this text what we're calling Israel. And what's going on is this other nation. It's, its name is Moab. It's a bigger, stronger nation than any of those three individually, and it is—it's playing like the Middle Eastern mob boss. It's making all the other nations pay them for protection. <laughs> uh, like you pay us, and nothing will happen to you. You know, there's nothing to see here. It just um, imagine, like, you know, like, a, um, yeah. I'm trying to think. What's that show? I forgot it. what it's called. Sopranos. Yeah, so this is Sopranos of, of, the, of, of the Middle East. And, and they're, um, they're, they're pressuring them for finances. They're wholesale robbing their stuff. And the nation of Israel and Judah say, you know, if we partner together with another nation that is experiencing the same oppression as us, Edom, the three of us individually, we can't beat Moab, but the three of us, we got them. And the response was, yeah, we got, we got horses, we got soldiers, let's go get them. And so that's where we are. We're in chapter 3 of 2 Kings, and it says this. The king of Eden, Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. But there was no water for the men or their animals." They had set a goal in their life. They had a desired future for what their life would look like. They'd created a storyboard. But on the journey to accomplish their goal, they didn't have the resources to fulfill their goals. Can I tell you that vision for life is one thing, but true grit and finding the resources to make things happen is a different thing. So what do you do when you've got a desired future for your life, but you run out of fight? What do you do when you run out of will? What do you do when you run out of ideas? What do you do when you just run out of wanting to? Because the truth is this, is that when we are depleted, we make terrible decisions. It's when we're exhausted that our decision-making ability is compromised. It's when we're tired and we're not being refilled that our choices are bad and things that are outside of our desired goal look good. So maybe today you've experienced a, a, a level of depletion in your life like these people who are, who are trying to wage war without water. Maybe for you, you are emotionally depleted or mentally depleted, or, or, or maybe for you, your relationships are just empty at the moment, or maybe you're just spiritually numb right now. Can I just tell you that the enemy of your soul does his best work when you're depleted? He does his best work when you're exhausted. He does his best work when you are tired. So they're seven days into the journey. What do you do when you're seven days in and your walk with God just feels empty? What do you do when you're seven days in and your relationships aren't fulfilling you any longer? What do you do when you're seven days in and the finances are just not working the way you want them to? What do you do when you're seven days in and you feel lonely and so you begin to isolate yourself only compounding the problem? What do you do when you're running on empty? And that's the exact question that we see here in the next verse. The king of Israel says, What should we do? The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. You see, they had a desired goal that they believed God was behind. And as they begin to set out on the goal and things, the circumstances change, the king of Israel's initial response is fear and blaming God. Can I say this? If you're going to replenish yourself, if you're going to refill yourself, the first thing you've got to do is learn to set your mind. You've got to set your mind. Because the truth is that your, that your, your thoughts drive the course of your life. The way you think drives the way you live. The way you think drives the way you feel. Your life is not driven by your feelings. It's driven by your thoughts. Your, your, the way you think drives the way you feel. The way you think drives the way you behave. This is why the apostle Paul tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. He doesn't say be transformed by a mystical, spiritual experience, which I full-heartedly believe in and am for. But if you want transformation in your life, it will not happen through an experience. It happens through the renewing of your mind. Changing the way we Think. And so we have to think differently to do differently. We have to think differently to live differently. We have to think differently to feel differently. An example might be like your finances. Maybe, maybe finances are hard and they're struggling. And so what, what we've been doing is the same thing over, just, just trying to do it harder and, and with more, more energy. And can I just tell you, it might be time to take a step back and evaluate the way you think about money. Yeah. Maybe the way you think about money creates your relationship with money. Maybe there's a struggle in your marriage right now and you're just waiting for him to change. And can I tell you that it might be worthwhile to stop and pull back and just consider how I think about my marriage, how I think about relationships, and how I think about my identity and sense of belonging. I'm telling you, when we change the way we think, we can change the way we feel and we can change the way we behave. The king of Israel looks and he he just starts, oh, we're all going to die. God brought brought us out here. He wants us all dead. We're God's chosen people, but he wants us dead. How many of us, that's where we've gone in our heads before, like worst case scenario, swimming in Lake Lowell, there's great white sharks, like worst case scenario. Let me say this. You are not obligated to ruminate on every thought that enters your mind. Just because it enters your mind doesn't mean that it gets to set up camp in your mind. In fact, we're encouraged by Scripture to tear down every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, to, 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 to take captive and to control our thoughts. Preacher, I've seen YouTube, and this sounds like one of those positive thinking self-help preachers. This sounds like pop psychology preacher. Read your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter uh, 10 verse five says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Listen and we take. Captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means when I have thoughts in my life that aren't obedient to God's plan for my life, I take captive that thought. I control it. I say this thought does not belong with me. It may have been in my mind, but I'm not going to chew on it and keep it. Yeah. I'm going I'm to get rid of some thoughts in my mind. What do you have to lose today? What you have to lose is the, the lies that the enemy is putting into your mind. Because guess what? Not everything you think is you. Just because it's a thought you had doesn't mean it's your thought. The enemy of your soul will feed thoughts into your mind, using situations or conversations to feed thoughts and doubts into your mind. And and if we're not careful, we begin to agree with those things and and we begin to, to pull them into our lives. I'm just telling you that like he is a lion searching whom he can devour. Like His only goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can do it through your thought life, he'll do it through your thought life. It's time for the people of God to say, no, 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 if I'm gonna be replenished, I've got to choose not to consider those thoughts that stand against the knowledge of Christ. Like, like We've got some thoughts that come into our life like, like, like he's a squatter. And he just shows up uninvited, builds a little shanty house with a blue tarp and a couple of lawn chairs out front. It's time to evict some bad thoughts out of your mind. Because when you are depleted, you must be careful what you believe. These people understood they were the children of God, but they were depleted. And so they began to believe that God was no longer good. They believed he was no longer good. Because the enemy of your soul doesn't have to destroy you. He only has to distract you. Have you ever gone to a hardware store go buy a screw and... Walked out with a Traeger. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why I needed a, you know, a zero-turn lawnmower, but now I got one. Like, <clears throat> you ladies laugh, but we've seen you in Target. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just need hairspray. It's like, ah, can <laughs> Can you grab this bag? <laughs> when my wife goes to Target, I'm like, I'm coming with you, babe. <laughs> <clears throat> Why? Because it, the enemy of your soul doesn't have to destroy you. All he's got to do is give you, like, the little dollar section of target. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just looking. It's only a dollar, but I've got a whole cart full of them. That's how the enemy of your soul works. All, all he's got to do is distract you. It goes on. and says, but, but King Jehoshaphat the, uh, of Judah, he asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. And, a, and one of King jo- Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shephath, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. And so the king of Israel, the king, of, the king Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom, went to consult with Elisha. Sometimes you don't need another vacation. Sometimes you don't need another friend's opinion. Sometimes you don't need to just go through TikTok trying to find the answers for life. Sometimes what we need is a word from God. Can I tell you that like a word from God will get you through the difficult seasons of life? Like, like it is a like like one of the things like I I look in my my world in pa, with pastors like longevity is an important thing for pastors and longevity for pastors. Listen, I, I I I consider this about myself. I'm, I'm not the best preacher I know. I'm not the smartest person I know. I'm not the most compassionate person I know. I'm just somebody with a lot of grit. And I have a lot of grit because I have some words from God in the past that when things get hard, I look back and say, no, God said this. Like, when things get difficult and feel like quitting, I say, no, God said this. When I say, maybe I'm not the right guy for the season, God said this. So what do you mean, Pastor, like we need a word from God? That, do, we get a, do we get like a vowel? I mean, do we get like a, like a verb or an adverb or a noun or like a conjugation? Like, like what kind of word do we get from God? English word? French word? What I mean is this. There is this. Um, when they collect a lot of papers that have words on them and they put them all together, it's, uh, and then they, put it, they bind it on the top and front, they, like it has a cover, that's called a book. And there's one that is typical, typically, it has like leather or like fake leather, um, and it's often like black or burgundy. Sometimes it has like gold around the Bible. I'm saying you can get a word from God when you actually, when, I'm, not, I'm not even making this up. This is the craziest thing in the world. If you take it, you dust it off, you open it, and you begin to read it, we believe it is alive. We believe it is the inspired word of God himself. We believe it is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide your thoughts and intents, speaking to your very soul. My goal isn't to, re- to grow a big church. My goal is to grow a church full of people that know how to get a hold of God. And can I tell you, it doesn't get any more basic than reading your Bible for yourself. Preacher, that's so boring. Can you make a TikTok thing about that? Can you make it like put graphics in there and make it flashy? And cool? No! No! We have a generation that is looking for entertainment so much that we're not turning to the Word of God. And so we're, we're desperate, and we're looking, and we're lost. And can I tell you, we've got a whole generation that's lost because their parents got out of the Word of God. It's time for a generation in Nampa, Idaho, to say, I'm going to be a mom or dad or a husband or a single person that reads the Word of God for a word from God. I got 30% of you. The, the other way... The other way The other way we get a word from God is this, we believe we should do life together in groups. It's not cute and cliche. We we believe you're supposed to live out your faith in community with other people. And here's why. Because they can pray with you, they can lean in with you, they can help you with your hard seasons, they can give you counsel, or they can just be mad with you. They can they go, but what what inevitably happens is that at some point, if, if you're in a community with spirit-filled believers, at some point one of them is gonna come to you and they're gonna say, I was praying about the thing we talked about last week. And you know, I just feel this. I don't know, it might be from God, it might not be from God. It might be from God it might not be from God it might be from God it might not be from God (laughs) you're like just say it and they're like this is what I felt for you and when you hear it it's like this calming salve for your soul I'm just saying we need a word from God we need a word from God and these people they, they didn't This is interesting. They didn't have water, but when they started looking for a word, they looked for someone that knew what to do with water when he had water. The way they described the prophet is he would pour water on the hands of the prophet of God, he knew what to do with water when it was available. Like, could it just be that when we are empty and we are depleted, one of the best things we can do is find someone who knows what to do with it when it is around. Like, like, when we're struggling financially and we don't know what to do, could it just be that one of the healthiest things we could do is find someone that whether they have money now or they don't have money now, they know what to do with money when they had money. Could it just be that that when we're struggling in our marriage, one of the best next steps would be to go find someone that knows how to cultivate a healthy marriage when they have, but, but but, pastor, she's, she's a widow. She doesn't know what I'm going through. She was married for 50 years. I think she can give you what to do with water when she doesn't have the water. I'm just saying that there's this, our culture doesn't value people that have held water before. We got to get back to looking for people that know how to handle water. Like, like, it, like it's important. Like, it, it's spiritual. I want to grow in my walk with God. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, I'm just going to consume all sorts of online content. And online content is great. Some of the best preachers in the world are online. Like, they're absolutely amazing. But can I just tell you that is not the same thing as living in compu- in community with people that know how to handle the things of God. That's just content consumption. And it will, it will trick you into thinking you're part of a church. It will trick you into thinking you're living out your faith. You live out your faith when you find people that know how to handle the water that you don't have yet. Preacher, you're so angry today. I just want you to live for God with everything you've got. This is is why we gather on Sundays together in a corporate worship setting. We're we're searching. We're we're cultivating a a place where the water of God can be found. This is why we gather in groups to find people around us that can speak a word from God into into our lives. And so the prophet responds. They go find the prophet, and here's how he responds. This is Elisha's pastoral skill at work here. Understand, Elisha is a prophet, not a pastor. Prophets are not not as gentle as a shepherd. And so he says, "Is why are you coming to me?" Elisha asked the king of Israel, "Go to the pagan prophets of your father and your mother." He's like, "Go back and look for advice on TikTok." Why are you coming to church looking for advice? Why don't you just, just go scroll endlessly through Instagram? That'll give you advice. Go back to what you were do- like, <laughs> Elisha. <Elijah, laughs> let's work on your pastoral etiquette a little bit. <laughs> but maybe there's somebody in the room today, and you would say, I, I used to be a believer, and now I'm kind of on the fence. And I'm on the fence because I ran into somebody just like this. But when I really needed help, they said, what are you doing here? Go get your advice somewhere else. When I really needed someone to come alongside our marriage, they just didn't seem to care. And can I tell you that we're not we're not the church that always gets this right, but we are definitely a church that's very comfortable with your questions, and your pains. We are comfortable walking through the hard times. We are comfortable with real people with real problems. But the king of the but king Joram of Israel, he said, "No, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here, only to be defeated by the king of Moab." You see that the king of Israel still believes. Even though he, he knows God is, he's God's chosen people, he still believes God's purpose is to destroy his life. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, who I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you. <laughs> Except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The one thing the king of Israel and the king Edom had going for them. It was not some sort of credibility. It it, it was not that they had some sort of name that, that would influence the prophet. What they had was proximity to somebody else who knew the people of God. Proximity to somebody else who was following God. And can I just tell you, when your needle is on empty and you're looking for a refill, you've got to get yourself around the people of God. This is Elisha's answer. Verse 14, he says, Now bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the hand of the lord came upon elisha if we're going to refill our tanks we've got we've got to be people that set our mind and we've got to be people that set the atmosphere we must set the atmosphere of our lives. So you've been in, in places that have good atmosphere. Like, like you go to a restaurant with good atmosphere. It's amazing. Like you walk in, the, you smell the restaurant, even like not way out on the street, like they burnt something, but you smell it like as you're coming up to the door, it smells so good. And then you walk in and the music's gently playing. It's like loud enough you can't hear everybody else, or more importantly, they can't hear you. But it's also quiet enough that you can hear the people across the table without yelling and, and that the lights are dim. They're, they're dim enough that, that your lover's eye that her you can see her eyes but 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 they're they're not so so dark that you you know you, you can't see the people around you it's just, it's beautiful and they walk up and they're like hello mr. Yaden would you know party for two and I'm like yes oh this must be the lovely uh, mrs. Yaden I'm like yes she is the lovely mrs Yaden and you're getting a tip later Right they like hey, would you like me to pull your seat out for you- why, yes, certainly, you know, you sit down, then they come out with that you know what I'm talking about that long glass thing of water, and they're like, Would you like some water? And I'm like would you like sparkling water or water that was harvested from a glacier in in in, in like in the andes and i'm I'm like, all I get is tap water, so just put them together, you know, go for it like great atmosphere is inviting it's encouraging, like if you've been to something like that you know it's amazing or you can go to like Applebee's and they're like just chewing on gum like eh, how many you got in your party uh, you know this I know the general manager from Applebee's is here and you're not happy I love you so much I promise I promise <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying like there's a thing like good atmosphere and bad atmosphere and guess what Music can set the atmosphere of your life. This is a key that the prophet understands, is what we fill the room with sets the atmosphere of the space. Every day when you wake up, do you wake up and you're thinking, ah, just what's the... What's the atmosphere gonna be like today? <laughs> like, like, like what kind of mood is she gonna be in this morning, right? Like, or or like how, how difficult are the kids gonna to be today? Like, is the dog gonna chew on the couch today? That's all gonna determine my attitude. No, 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 no. You set the atmosphere for your own life. This is what the prophet's doing. He's setting the atmosphere. So, like when we wake up our kids in the morning, like and by that, that's a euphemism for yelling at the kids over and over and over again to wake up. <clears throat> but before I yell at the kids to wake up every morning. What I do is, is I go into the living room and I turn on soft, gentle worship music. This is something we want in our house. We, we want our home to be a place filled with soft, gentle worship music. I don't need Mr. Beast screaming in the morning. <laughs> I need there to be someone talking about the joy of the Lord and the goodness of God. And it sets a tone for my children's day. It sets a tone for my day. Like, it sets a tone. It changes. Things. When when I set a tone in my life, you know, I grew up in a in a church culture that I, I affectionately call "mean church." Anybody else go to mean church? Yeah, <laughs> <So, yep. laughs> but you don't want to raise your hands, so you sure. And not everything was bad, right? We would go to youth camps, and um, as teenagers, we'd, we we. We live for God like this. Like, we live for God really good at youth camp, and then, like, dive bomb. like, And then, like, live for God really good in winter, and then dive bomb. I'm just telling you parents, it's okay. They're going to turn out all right. <laughs> but when we show up at youth camp, I remember, like, somebody would give their life to the Lord, and um, inevitably, somebody would go back to their car or, or out to their duffel bag, and they'd go grab a, a binder full of CDs. For, for, for some of you, maybe a cassette tape. A-, a track for some of you. Okay, so basically like um, <clears throat> like Spotify, but it's on a it's on a little mirror, and <clears throat> I think we we'll get this this thing full of CDs, and it, it'd it start like. They'd be in the altar of the church, like, breaking their CDs, all that bad stuff, breaking it, right? It'd be, like, Run DMC and, like, Insane Clown Posse and Green Day. They'd be, like, And then all the other kids are getting excited because you get to break stuff. So they start stomping on these CDs, and they'd be, like, shrapnel, like, flying. Anybody else go to one of those kind of youth camps? Like, people losing their eyes from, like, somebody giving their life. And then, like, three months later, they'd go spend $230 to replace all of them. I'm not going to be the kind of pastor that tells you what you should and shouldn't listen to. But I will tell you this. Even though I may disagree with the the method there, there was a truth they were trying to get at. The truth is, is that the music you listen to does determine the atmosphere of your life. I, I would encourage you, Next time you're hearing something, just, just listen to the Holy Spirit. Is this the atmosphere I need in my life? Or could this be part of the reason that, I'm, that, I'm, that I just have such a quick temper? Like, could this be part of the reason that I'm thinking wrong about the situation? I, I know that's old school teaching, guys. But it will transform your life when you surrender your ears to him. And I'm not like a, you know, a Christian music only person. I just think it's very important that whatever we allow in our lives, we are aware that we are creating an atmosphere. Watch this. Um, Stacy, would you come up? He says, bring me someone that plays the harp. So we want someone that plays the digital keyboard, which, which uh, originally was string- it was a stringed instrument, right? So it, it counts. Yeah. Yeah. So pianos are a stringed instrument. Um, With hammers. If you've seen any uh, uh, of the old Looney Tunes, you remember that. Um, Okay. But I'm going to set the atmosphere of my life. And I can do it through music. It's a a hack. So watch this. I'm going to say the same thing twice. Listen to this. No music. No music. God is for you. He is not against you. And no matter what you are facing, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So stand firm because victory belongs to our God. Now listen to this. Played music-y stuff. Here we go. God is for you. He is not against you. And no matter what you are facing, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So stand firm because victory belongs to God. I don't know if you noticed the difference there, but it it changes the atmosphere. It changes the room. So my question to you today is this, are, are you going to be a thermometer or are you going to be a thermostat? Are you going to be a thermometer that just reflects what's going on in the world around you? It's able to recognize bad moods, it's able to recognize good moods, but it just it just reflects whatever's going on. Or will you become a thermostat that when you walk into a space, you change the atmosphere. When you walk onto the job, you transform the atmosphere of the job. When you go into the classroom, you can change and you can dial the settings, which Will you be? When everyone else is discouraged, are you going to be a person of discouragement? When everybody else is irritated with the the world around them, are you just going to be irritable? When they're complaining, when they're greedy, when they're just saying, there's never enough, is that going to be you? Or will you be a thermostat that says, I'm going to be a person of joy, of peace, of faith, of truth, of hope, of love? Because as believers, that's part of our responsibility. We are to bless the world around us. And one of the ways we do that is we set the atmosphere. So when you're on the job and everybody's complaining about that boss, are you going to join them in complaining about the boss? Or are you going to speak positivity into your world and begin praying for your boss? When you go to school and everybody's mad at that teacher that that never seems to have patience for the kids, are you going to be just another teenager that just mouth off of the teenager, at, at the teacher or are you going to be a teenager that recognizes there's something behind this in this teacher's life that needs prayer it needs God to intervene and I'm going to p- bless them and I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to see God's best because I set the atmosphere in my life it goes on he says and and he said this <clears throat> this is what the Lord says This dry valley shall be filled with pools of water. You will see neither the wind nor the rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. And you will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and for all the other animals, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord. Because God knew they weren't just looking for water. They had an agenda and they had a mission. And he says this, for he will make you victorious over the army of Moab and you will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. And you will cut down all their good trees and stop up all their springs and you will ruin all their good land with stones. Thank the Lord for an Old Testament violent story. The point was God knew what their goal was. And he also knew that their prayer for water was really, it was on the destination to what God already had planned for their life. Come on, let's be, let's be people that, that hear the word of God. What's interesting is when we look at this text, at that first phrase it says, this is what the Lord says, this dry valley will be filled with pools of water. That phrase is actually a command. It's not God describing it, it's God commanding it. This is why other translations translate it like this. Dig ditches. Because God's commanding them to do this. That that you're going to create pools for water. So God's, God's saying, this is what the Lord says. Dig pools dig ditches you won't see the wind and you won't see the rain but the water's going to come and fulfill everything you need can i just tell you that the miracles of god they come when we set our hand to the purpose of god so we set our mind we set the atmosphere and then we set our hand because the miracles of god are always preceded by the direction of God. The promises of God are always followed by the processes of God. God doesn't just say, oh, here's a miracle for you. I'm just going to pass it. No, no, no. He gives instruction. He gives direction. So set your hand to the, to the shovel and begin digging some pools in your life. Begin digging some ditches in your life. It's time to dig some trenches in your life. This is, this is what happens in the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. And when Jesus raises him from the dead, he says, remove the stone from in front of the tomb. And he calls Lazarus forth. And then he says, now take this, the strips of clothing off of Lazarus. What's he doing? He's doing the direction of God. He's following the process of God. There's a, there's a widow who, who doesn't have enough to sustain her life. And the prophet says, go grab as many, uh, uh, Vessels or pitchers that you can find To fill them full of oil Now fill them, begin to fill them with oil What is she doing? She has a promise from God But she must follow the processes of God I'm telling somebody else That when it doesn't look like There's anything going on It's time to dig trenches in your life You want to refill your life? Dig some ditches can you imagine it? There's no rain, there's no wind, there's nothing that suggests a change in the environment. And they convince three armies to begin digging ditches in the middle of a dry valley. I'm just saying, I wonder if there's somebody that would just begin to keep praying until you have a breakthrough. In your marriage. I wonder if there's somebody that just keep trusting until they have a breakthrough in their finances. I wonder if there's somebody that would dig some ditches in their life, begin to seek after the things of God and keep following after him, begin digging ditches, even though you don't see the water, even though you don't see the rain, digging some ditches in our lives. the deal, I've I've got this habit of reading my Bible. Some days it's boring. Some days it's boring. But you know what I'm doing? I'm digging ditches. I'm just going to keep digging ditches. I'm just going to put holes all over my life so that when the presence of God wants to speak to me through His Word, there's, there's ditches all over my life. I pray often. Do I always hear from God or feel His presence when I pray? No. But you know what I'm doing? I'm digging ditches in my spiritual life so that when the presence of God rolls in, I have the capacity to contain it and hold it. So often we read the Bible, we don't get anything. let we stop. We prayed, didn't answer the prayer, we stopped. And I'm just telling you, mama that's been praying for your kids for all these years, it's not time to stop. Dig some ditches. Entrepreneur that's so worried and you're filled with fear, it's not time to stop. Build some ditches in your life. Young person that's seeking after the purpose and plan of God for your life, it's not time to stop. Dig some ditches in your life. It's not just one ditch, as the band would come. It's not just one ditch. It's dig many ditches. Just keep digging pools and ditches in your life. What am I talking about? I'm saying dig ditches of prayer in your life. Dig ditches of worship in your life. Dig ditches of generosity in your life. Dig ditches of making a difference in the world around you. this passage goes on and says, in verse 20, that the next day, at about the time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. And it was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. God does not have a supply issue, church. We have a capacity issue. It's time to dig some ditches. When we want, when we're seeking to be replenished after a time of depletion, we set our mind on him. We set the atmosphere of our life. Even if we don't feel it, we set the atmosphere. We set our hand to the direction of God how many ditches we dig is directly proportional to the level of our expectation so we set our expectation oh preacher I see what you're doing you're twisting God's arm to get him to do what you want nope no but I'm going to dig ditches in my life so that when he moves I'm ready I'm going to dig ditches in my life so that when he moves I'm ready can you stand with me all across the room? Church, let's, let's raise our hands to the Lord. I just, I just feel like there are some men and women, some young people in this room. You're ready to go to dig deep with the Lord, to seek after the purposes and, and, the, and the plans of God for your life. Lord, we, we don't want to be people that, that affirm you in name only. Lord, we don't want to be the people that, that call you Lord, Lord, but you didn't know them. Lord, that we would be a, a, a people who have dug deep ditches in our lives so that when the times of refreshing come, we can contain them and we can share them, that they wouldn't just bless us, but we would be able to bless the people around us. Lord, I pray right now for that mom that's just been been praying for their their family for all these years, Lord, that she would not stop, that that her grit would, would begin to activate, that she would just dig ditches of prayer and fasting in her life. Lord, I pray for that young man that's searching after the purpose of God for his life, that he would dig ditches deep into the word of God. Lord, that you begin to speak to him. Lord, that you begin to call deep, unto deep in his life, that, that he would hear the voice of God calling him closer to you, Jesus. Lord, that we would be people who dig deep ditches in our lives. Lord, we're not content for lazy. we're also not striving for your mercy but we long for your presence we will wait for you like someone in a far and thirsty land waits my soul waits for the Lord so I dig in Jesus
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.